Well, this week, I, I saw something on uh, Facebook. One of our ladies back here posted a thing, and I, I don't know if it was actually a shot from your game or if it was just you reposting, Tracy, but I think it was yours I saw that had, it, was, it reminded me of a gossip game. Do you remember the gossip game when you whisper something and it goes around the room and when it finishes, it's nothing like what it started? This particular one was a, was a physical acting out of a gossip game, essentially. There was a line, everybody facing this way. So the guy on this end had the guy turn around, and he, he acted like, I, it looked like to me he was cranking a motorcycle. All right, you know, I mean, he, he did like this, and then he did like this, and then he acted like he was riding it. And so he asked the next guy to turn around and act it out. But as it passed through the line, by the time it got about this far, it was a dance, you know? I mean, it was crazy. It had nothing to do with a motorcycle. And I thought, you know, so many times we give something to someone, and then as it makes its way through the line, it gets all distorted, and it doesn't look anything like it did when it started. Part of our desire is to make things simple enough to make them transferable. There's a great difference in simplicity and being overly simplistic. We're not, we're not trying to keep things surface. Uh, we think what we want can be tested and find great depth and great root systems. But we desire for there to be enough simplicity that one person could transfer it to another could transfer it to another. And what you have in your hand today is one of the most important transferable things that we're desiring to point you to. Not only because we're studying Luke, but we, we couldn't go through Luke's gospel without calling attention to you, to you, something that we've been trying to focus on for a long time, and that is to make sure we learn how to do what Jesus said do in Luke chapter 10 and verse 2. He was preparing to go into more cities. So he gathered his disciples and he sent them out. And before he sent them, according to Luke chapter 10, he said this very simple thing to them. He told them that they were going and they were going to be like lambs in the midst of wolves. And he said, when you go, carry no money bags, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one along the road. But when you come to the first place and you enter the house, say, peace be on this house. And if the son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in that same house, eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Now, that idea of finding the person of peace and being able to stay there and present the gospel of peace to them is a very important principle when you're going into new places. But it's also an important principle for us to learn as God's people as we seek to be disciples following Jesus. So this morning, we're going to ask God to take this transferable verse and make it so much a part of us that when one passes it to another, it won't go from 
riding a motorcycle to some really weird dance, all right? It will make its way through, and one person will be able to give it to another. But more than that, all of us will be able to live this out. So would you pray with me? Father, today we open your word with great reverence. We know that it's the word of God. We pray now that as we seek to understand what it means to be a disciple, that this verse given to Jesus, from Jesus to his disciples would be freshly given to us today, that we would understand what it means to join in the mission of our Savior and Lord. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. You'll remember in Luke's gospel when Jesus has come to people like Peter and Andrew and John and he came to Matthew, he said, follow me. And we referred you back to Matthew 4.19. If you weren't here last week, we've got a scripture memory card on Matthew 4.19. It really is the basic definition of a disciple. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me. What does it mean to follow him? Well, to follow him means that we're with him. He doesn't ask us to follow a bunch of ideas. He calls us to himself. He calls us to a person. Follow me, walking with Jesus. I will make you being changed by Jesus. Fishers of men, joining Jesus on his mission. So that's the challenge of what it means to be a disciple. I trust today that all of you at some point in your life have heard the call of Jesus saying, come and follow me. He comes and he knocks at our heart's door. If it's happening in a worship service, it's like the preacher was speaking only to you. Because the way God gripped your heart is he gripped you and said, I want you to follow me. And as Jesus speaks to us and invites us to himself, he says, when you walk with me, I'll change you. Make me more like Jesus, you were singing. And so as he's changing us, last week we looked to see what he said in Luke 9, 23. He said, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That is the requirement to be changed we have to deny ourselves we have to choose his agenda and we have to be willing to follow him to die to ourself and let Christ through me live you sang that too it's interesting how we can sing words and sometimes not even know what they mean or not even grasp what we're saying I thought you know what a dangerous prayer to say take everything take everything is, is our life goal really to find Jesus as the deepest satisfaction of our heart? He's the only thing that will satisfy. And do we understand that when we set our attention and our affection on him, he does change us. He changes our desires. He changes what we want. Follow me and I will make you. I will change you. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. When Jesus invited those fishermen to come and follow him, he said, I'm going to change your business. If they'd been doing another kind of business, I think Jesus would have used another kind of analogy. Because as he was applying it to them, he said, you've been spending your time fishing for men, but I'm going to change your business. 
I want you to come join me in my father's family business. And the family business of Jesus is people. And so we've all been called to be a part of his people business, to be a part of doing what Jesus was doing when he was here on earth, inviting people to have a personal relationship with God. So that brings us today to this simple, hopefully transferable verse. And so here you have it on a card. This is one translation, not the translation I memorized first. So I'm going to look at it to make sure I say it right. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Now, I confess to you, if you hang out with me, you're going to see that I have this one little, well, I've got a lot of idiosyncrasies, but I've got this one, one little thing that, I, that really bothers me. I grew up in a generation where we capitalize the personal pronoun for God. I'm sorry, I, I just can't get over it. And so uh, all of the modern translations and everything that's being written today sees no offense in leaving the lowercase. But I personally, it bothers me to leave it in the lowercase. So I confess to you, this is not the ESV, okay? This is the Gilbert modified ESV, okay? Because I capitalized the H when I came to Jesus referring to himself. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send our laborers into his harvest. So let's break that down. If we're going to make it transferable, we need to understand what it says. So what does he say? The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Here's a question for you. When you pass through life every day, do you see the harvest as plentiful? Some mornings I pick up my phone to dial into a few devotions that I read online. And when I do, I'll see incoming email. And one of the things we have is we have the Atlanta Journal-Constitution online uh, as a part of the purchase of buying the paper for my father-in-law. One day I was reading the paper and my grandson saw me. He said, I thought only old people read the paper. You know, it just, I mean, it kind of offended me a little bit, all right? But most of you may not pick up a physical copy of the paper, but if you see today's paper, maybe you got it for the coupons or something. If you see today's paper, you're going to notice a headline, and it's a shot from uh, I-85 right near 285. And you're going to see eight lanes of traffic or more all stopped going both directions. Now, I don't know how many of you go out into that every morning in your commute. I know a few of you go a long way on your commute. <laughs> Do you see all of those people as a bother or as part of the harvest? When Matthew recorded this passage from Jesus, Jesus was looking at the multitudes, and it says he was moved with compassion. He saw them distressed and downcast like sheep without a shepherd. And Jesus, when he saw the crowd, it stirred down in his gut 
because he saw them, so many of them, but he saw them individually, even in the crowd, understanding their desperate need to have a relationship with God. As we drive through these streets and we see these crowded places, and as you stand in line, may I encourage you not to go to Trader Joe at 2 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Yesterday, I stopped by to pick up something, and as usual, I was trying to figure out which line to get in, you know, trying not to do too much line hopping. All right? But I got into a line, and I'm standing there in line, and it's moving really slow. Of course, that's the line I'm in, right? It's moving really slow compared to the rest. And I turned around to this lady beside me. I said, well, I guess we should have done some line hopping. And so we, we started talking for a minute. I said, but if you go to New York City, where my daughter lives, and you go to Trader Joe, when you walk in the door, the line goes around and around. And when we walked in with Katie, she said, would one of you mind getting in line so we can get out of here in less than 30 minutes in line? Crowds. Do you see it as a harvest? Or do we think that people really don't want to know God, so why should we bother them in having a gospel conversation? When Jesus looked at the crowds, he saw the needs of their heart. And he said, the harvest is plentiful. Do we really see that it's a harvest? Do we really believe that people want to know down inside, there's that God-shaped vacuum. The scripture says God has put eternity in our hearts. There's something in people's hearts. They know that they need a way to put it all together, but they just keep running faster because they haven't found the answer yet. So how can they admit that they have a need if they don't think there's a way to solve it? The harvest is plentiful. Do I see a harvest. The verse goes on. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. When you see the harvest, you think, there's so many people, there's nothing I can do. There's, there's so much need, there's no way for, for me to solve it. But Jesus said, when you see the harvest, stop and pray to the one who can do something about it. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray earnestly to him. I went and tried to look this up in the original language because the, there was not two words in what I memorized. Pray earnestly. And I wondered why the ESV translated it with a modifier more than just pray. But in that one word, as is often the case in the original text, was an intensity that the translators felt like it was not enough just to say pray. Pray like you mean it. Pray with your heart, not just your head and your lips. Pray with a cry. Pray with something that says, oh, Lord, unless you do something, nothing's going to happen. Unless you cause it, nothing will ever change. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. So a disciple 
when he sees that it really is a chance to watch God change something, but he realizes it's really too big for him to do much about it on his own, the disciple prays earnestly to the Lord of the harvest. But here's my next question. Do we see a harvest? Second, do we really see him as Lord? Is he your Lord today? You know, we have a tendency to learn his name, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we don't stop to think about what those words really mean. Lord, Jesus, God's Savior, is what Jesus means. Christ, the Messiah, the Christos, the promised one. But what does it mean when you call him Lord? When you call him Lord, you're saying you're the boss. I've heard it rightly said, you really should not be able to say no Lord. It's a contradiction of terms. When the Lord says something, what's the right answer for his follower to give? Yes, sir, it would be appropriate. Because he's the boss. Do you really mean when you say, you are Lord, you're my boss? Now, I told you earlier, I started to say there was one idiosyncrasy. Here's another thing. <laughs> this one bothers me as well. I, I've never liked it when anyone called me boss. It's just not been a way that I approach things on the job. Even if I'm the supervisor, even if I'm the team leader, I don't like it when they call me boss. Because to me, the, the word boss has in it a, a sense of a, of a derogatory term. It's a, it's a looking down. Now, I know that when you say, okay, boss, you mean, okay, that's your call, not mine. That's, that's your, but if you talk to anyone that's ever served on a team with me, I won't let them call me boss. Now, I, I decided I should go look it up in the dictionary and see if it was appropriate for it to bother me. And I, and I think I've got it on the screen here. Here's what, what the definition of a boss is on dictionary it says it's a person who employs or superintends a worker it's a manager in the verbal sense to be bossy is to master over another to manage to direct to control to order about especially in an arrogant manner <laughs> okay when someone's bossy we we don't like to hear that they are bossy but what does it mean when you say jesus you're my boss you're the one who's employed me. You're the one who superintends my work. You are the manager. You are the Lord. So seeing the multitude, challenging his disciples, therefore look at the harvest and know that the harvest is plentiful, but the work, workers, the laborers are few. Therefore pray to the Lord of the harvest. Pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest, declaring that there is a harvest and you are my Lord. Do you realize this morning that he has the right to tell you what to do? He really does. He made you. He knows what's best for you. And if in your spiritual life you're still a baby or a teenager who knows more than the adult, 
and you think there's no right to be told what to do to discover it on your own, okay, have at it. And see how long that works. He really does want what's best for us. He really does desire to give us what will satisfy our soul. And so to call him the Lord of the harvest is not a thing where he is arrogantly looking down on us, but it's where he, with eternal perspective, is looking around us and knowing what's best for us. So the harvest is plentiful, the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he will do what? Well, that's the next part of the verse. What are we asking him to do? Well, before we get into that, let's look at what it means to be a laborer, a worker. What does it mean to work in God's harvest? For the last few weeks, we've been meeting as a staff. It used to be Johnny and I would meet together, and we didn't want to just call it a staff meeting with the two of us. We had in Matthew, so it feels like a staff now. And, and we've been having staff meetings, and in those staff meetings, we've been saying, okay, so how does this work? God, what are you asking us to do? And we've recognized that the work of this church is like a farmer. When a farmer does his work, he takes out the rocks and he gets the soil ready. When we first married, we lived in a small town in middle Georgia. And when we started expecting our first child, we knew that we had to move to a little bit bigger home to at least have two bedrooms instead of one. And we moved to a house and we woke up the next day to the sound of tractors all around us because our little house was sitting right in the middle of nothing but cultivation. And I watched those tractors and I thought, do they just enjoy burning fuel? I mean, they went over and over and over the ground. And they turned it over and they came back the next day and turned it again. And as they worked the soil getting it ready... Someone had years prior gone in there and moved the rocks and they had removed the stumps and now the farmers knew it was safe just to get in there and wear out the soil with the tractor and get it ready to receive the seed. There are times that our work in the harvest is moving a rock and preparing the soil but we're always looking to plant the seed because without the seed planted, no crop can grow. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out workers. He will send out laborers. So as we ask the question of how does this verse apply to me, let's, let's take it slowly. Here's the disciples' commission. Do I see there's a harvest? Is he my Lord? Am I a laborer? Have I reported for duty? Do you ever wake up in the morning and say, okay, Lord, I'm reporting for duty. I'm expecting today to be a day that you work in my life. I'm expecting today to be a day that you put people in my path. I'm expecting that this is going to be a day that you're going to work. So if that's your perspective, 
you see the last part of the verse where he says to send out laborers into his harvest. To send out. Are you living like you have been sent? What does it mean to be sent by the Lord? One time I was studying this passage in Matthew's gospel. And I decided to once again hover over the word to see what it meant. And the word send out is a very simple word that a basic first year Greek student could learn. It's the preposition out of and the verb to throw. And it's an easy word to learn because it's balo. And you can learn ball. <laughs> and so you can learn to throw. So literally it means to send out of, to throw out. So I backed up in Matthew's gospel and I looked earlier in the chapter and I found that Jesus cast out demons. And you know what the Greek word was? Ek balo. And I thought, hmm, why would the Bible say he was throwing out demons and here we're told to pray that he will throw out laborers? Well, there's a difference in taking the demon and throwing it out of a person's life, sending it back to where it belongs, to Jesus taking me and you in his hand and throwing us where we need to be, where we belong. And the picture that came to my mind, for some reason, was an expert dartsman. You've played darts and stood before the board and just, you know, hopefully you're, ha you're satisfied if you just hit the board, right? Even when you throw it. And, but the expert dartsman takes that dart in his hand and he is like, and most every time it's right there toward the center. I want to promise you this morning, if you take this verse seriously, there will be times in your life when you think Jesus has just thrown you at a speed you could never regain control. Because he will take your life and throw you right into the middle of something that you had no idea he was going to place you in. But it was no accident because the Lord of the harvest was accurately, precisely sending out his laborer into his harvest. How does that happen in your life? You report for duty. You say, okay, Lord, here I am. I believe there's a harvest. And I'm not going to pray that you'll send somebody else out if you're not willing to send me out. So I'm willing to say, send me too, Lord. If there's a harvest and there are people needed, I want to be your laborer. Send me into your harvest. So let's go over the verse again. Pray earnestly because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. So report for duty and pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out laborers into his harvest. Do I see the harvest? Is he really my Lord? Am I a laborer? Am I living like I've been sent? So, my challenge to you is to memorize a verse. And as you memorize it, don't just pray it for somebody else, but pray it for you.
And I look around the room today, and I want you to know that Johnny and I have been praying this. Carrie and KK have joined us. We've been praying this verse a long time. And some of you are in this room, and when we look at you, we go, Thank you, Lord, for answering the 10-2 prayer. For sending us people that can join those who are already here so that together we can be laborers in the harvest. So here's my challenge to you to put this into practice. Let me make this just as practical as I can. First, I want to invite you to pray daily at 10.02. Some of you may be too busy on a particular day to pray, but I don't know what time you go to bed at night, but if it's before 10, uh, say, okay, Lord, when 10-2 comes, uh, apply this prayer, would you? (laughs) Because I really want to take seriously daily praying at two minutes after 10. Set your clock. Set your alarm on your phone. Look for a text this week from Johnny right at 10-2. Fill your phone, vibrate, and look and see that you've just got a Shallowford church-wide text, and all it reads is Luke 10-2. And you'll remember, man, I should have memorized that verse because I'm supposed to do something right now, okay? What do you do? You pray, Lord, show me the harvest, and show me that laborers are needed, and Send laborers into your harvest, and you're my Lord, so send me, and put me exactly where you want me. Pray daily the Lord of the harvest. Second, pray that you will see the harvest. Walk into the grocery store, and just look around for a minute and think, I wonder if that lady knows Jesus. Consider it at work as you sit at your desk. I wonder if they know Christ. I wonder if they know what I know to be the answer to eternal life and this life. Third, look for the person of peace. You know, we think that We've got to get out there and drag people to Jesus and become some expert salesman and figure out a way to convince all kinds of people that what we have is right and what they have is wrong. That's not the point. The point is God is already working in someone's life. And he has been working in their life before you ever got there. Jesus said, I'm going to go into these cities and I want you to go ahead of me into those cities and prepare the way of where I'm going to go. And when you get there, you're going to see that somebody was already prepared before you got there. God's already been working in somebody's life and he just used you, put you at exactly the right place in the harvest and sent you to be his representative to tell that his love is true and his way is right. And that he has a perfect plan for everyone's life. Invite them to the forgiveness that's in Jesus. Invite them to the freedom that's in Christ. Invite them to lay down their old and take on the new. But look for the person of peace. You don't have to talk anybody into it. Just expect divine appointments. Just expect them. And when you see them. Be awake enough to notice them 
and realize that God sent you into his harvest. So I challenge you. This verse is not going away. It's like all verses in the Bible, but it's going to be a verse that you're going to hear around Shallowford for years and years to come. So memorize it. If you don't like that version, turn it over and write your own, okay? Not your own version of the Bible. Your, write, your, write your preferred version, a translation, all right? And memorize what it means to follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. And memorize what it means to come after him and deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow him. And learn what it means to see that the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest that he will send out workers into his harvest. And my prayer for you is that you will see the harvest and that you will live sent. Would you pray with me?